0: Welcome to Talking Wyndham, your weekly insight into the people who make our city surprising, fascinating, vibrant, and interesting. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page.
1: G'day and welcome to another edition of the Talking Wyndham podcast. My name is Kevin Hillier here, of course, for the Committee for Wyndham. And uh, as we do on this podcast, we're bringing you another little uh, insight into an area of the uh, City of Wyndham that I'm sure you're going to be very interested in. And that is, of course, one of the absolute uh, gems. One of the pearls is the Werribee Open Range Zoo. And today we'll speak to the director, Glenn Holland, about what's going on at the zoo What's coming up at the zoo, what they've been able to do during the lockdown, what they haven't been able to do and what we can look forward to in the future. And there's a a lot of news in that area. So we'll talk to Glenn in uh, just a tick. I want to take a little minute though, just to remind you about uh, some of the work that the Committee for Wyndham is doing uh, during the lockdown. And uh, there's a lot of work going on during the lockdown, a lot of Zoom meetings going on uh, that you can take part in, a lot of information sharing, a lot of offers. And all you have to do basically to find out about it is jump on the Facebook page or on the website. If you'd like to join up and be a member all the details are there as well uh, and if you are a member and you're not taking advantage of uh, some of the great things that are going on make sure you get involved the uh, committee for Wyndham doing a great job uh, and always available uh, to have a chat to you and, uh, and available for you to contact them at any time through the uh, social media uh, platforms all right let's get stuck into it let's head to the zoo Hey, Glenn, thanks for your time. We really appreciate it. Uh, is, uh, is life at the zoo changed much under the uh, the lockdown conditions?
0: Oh, uh, tremendously. Firstly, walking around the zoo, one would think it might be quite nice to have the whole zoo to yourself and, uh, you know, the animals would all be relaxed. And But it's not at all. It feels quite empty. Uh, it's clearly there's something missing. We're missing our visitors. The animals are missing the visitors. Yeah. And, and, of course, you know, we are business. We fund 80% of our work ourselves, including all our conservation work. So, it's been a major impact.
1: Uh, I mean, uh, the, you're right. The Feeling like you have the zoo to yourself would, would be, I would imagine, a really eerie feeling. It
0: is eerie. Uh, you know, when you, when you well, the first time I walked around, I sort of settled thinking, this could be quite an amazing experience. And within 10 or 15 minutes, I was just at a loss. You know, it just it just felt eerie. Uh, it's absolutely silent. There's no kids or families having fun. Um, to be honest, the animals are almost a bit bored without the people to keep them entertained. So, yeah, definitely eerie.
1: Animals are like teenage uh, boys. They uh, they don't stop eating, uh, and they're always looking for something to do and trouble to get into. So how have you, <laughs> have you had to re-define uh, the operations of the zoo uh, under these new conditions?
0: Well, you know, of all of our teams, our visitor team pretty well, and all our volunteers, and we have it where it be over 200 volunteers, so it's been quite major for all of them as well. And the Zoo's a big part of their, their life. Mm. Um, but all of the visitor facing staff clearly have pretty well stopped work and are working from home, um, and we're keeping people as busy as we possibly can. Um, our horticulture department are together with what we call our assets or works team are doing a whole lot of projects that really would have interfered with visitor flow. So they've ripped up paths, they've expanded the lion viewing area, bombed it and then replanted and um, done a new path and all that sort of thing. So there's a tremendous amount of work going on. And I must say, it looks wonderful. I think when visitors come back in, you know, everybody's going to be surprised at the changes. Um, and they're quite excited because it gives them that opportunity without having to worry about visitors. So from that point of view, you know, there's always a silver lining to the club. Yep. And then from an animal point of view, we've split all of the teams into A and B, and they're working on a 4-3 roster through the week that alternates. And, um, of course, we have to do the animals seven days a week. And um, they they pretty it's a pretty skinny team. So we don't have days where we have, Pretty well, all the staff on site, and we can do big team hits and team meetings and that sort of thing. So they they're very busy, Um, but obviously looking after the animals. Animal welfare is number one, and so the animals are all still getting all of their needs. There's a fair bit of animal training going on, which is and conditioning, which is a big part of the work that they do Um, and like to share with visitors. They've done a lot of that uh, the last couple of months, Um, and then of course the whole vet team are still run off their feet. Not only with our own wildlife, but with a lot of incoming wildlife, and you know, I noticed last in the last week we've had two or three koalas. uh, One attacked by dogs, and another was orphaned after its mother was killed by a dog. And so there's all that wildlife coming in for the vet team as well. So from their point of view, life's Busy if not more busy than ever
1: yeah because it's not it 's not a normal business in terms of like a you know a shop that you can just close and not uh, and not uh, operate at all because of the restrictions you're a you're three hundred and sixty five days a year uh, operation
0: absolutely and the only part we can switch off is really you know the shop the food and beverage those sorts of things which are purely visitor focused but we also can 't stop for example, the horticulture or the cleaning team because the zoo would end up a mess. Yeah, And so um, we're having to keep all of that going. And then from a cleaning point of view, we've actually doubled our cleaning team. So again, from a COVID response point of view is ensuring the staff are all clean. So there's a big effort now on you know, sanitising all of the, the staff stations, the vehicles every day, all that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. The economic ramifications, Glenn, uh, is, is the zoo going to be hard hit?
0: Well, I'd say we're uh, zoo's Victoria at the moment. Uh, I think it's fair to say we're probably looking at about $20 million down already. Wow. Um, we are a government department and there are mechanisms and we have some of our own safety nets in place. We've greatly reduced our expenditure. You know, expenditure's down um, over 70%. So the team have been amazing at really short of, you know, we're running normal budgets on animal care. But other than that, we really are running on a slip of oily rag and the team have been amazing at, at managing that. But across Zuz Victoria, you know, we, we, it's been a massive um, – we're a $100 million business, and, you know, we've lost that ability to generate our own revenue. I think if I can celebrate one piece, though, that's been amazing, is we have, you know, close – we had close to 300,000 members, the biggest membership in Australia, um, and the equivalent to the, the four biggest footy team memberships. You yeah. know, that was Us Victoria. And we were really concerned our members would walk away, um, and they haven't. We've had amazing support from members who've um, not only stuck with us but many have renewed membership and some even joined up new um, and that's that's you know it's a big part of our business as well it's a big part of our purpose is you know if you have an army of three hundred thousand members supporting our work, that's amazing so that's been a real positive as well
1: also gives you some sort of indication of the value that people have on on, on the zoo and the kind of context of their life when, when you are scaling down on a personal level uh, the things that you're spending money on the fact that they've made that commitment is is enormous uh, enormous acknowledgement of uh, the importance
0: massive I think I think one is talking to the value of the organization and what we have to offer and the other is just people care about wildlife you know no. we had we went straight from bushfires into uh, COVID. So it's been quite a year for us. And bushfires have almost been forgotten, but our team will run off their feet with bushfires. We had vets and vet nurses and various people spread all over, you know, caring and, and assisting wildlife uh, from the bushfire scenarios. And um, again, the response we had there, you know, it was uh, many million that was sent in to us. To support and it cost you know, quite a lot of million, quite a few million as well. Um, of course, to support all of that, but you know, coming out of that, there's been every again every cloud of silver lining, and so we're actually looking at a a new partnership. I can't mention the partner yet, but it's an animal welfare organisation, and we're looking at actually building a potentially building a koala hospital at Werribee Zoo for all of not only the koalas in the west, but all the wildlife that gets injured. And so that's come out of bushfires as a real need, and the you know the need for our vets to be training um, wildlife care for other vets who usually deal with dogs, cats, etc. Gee,
1: that's great.
0: Uh, so all of these, um, if I can call them dark clouds, tend to have a silver lining. But it most certainly has knocked us around. Like everybody, it's been a. a Interesting and difficult year so far.
1: Has it given you a chance uh, to, build without the the day to day machinations of of running the zoo as you would normally with with you know the the amount of volume of people going through the place? Without that, has it given you uh, a chance and your team to to sit down and kind of uh, do some planning and to and to look at what you what you're heading into in the future?
0: It has, but I will say, COVID has been relentless. Yeah. You know, it's just uh, we've become experts at opening and closing zoos now, and that takes so much work, so many protocols processes communication online meetings I'm sure like everybody you know we're spending our day in online meetings just making sure everything's been taken care of and safe and so we have had you know managed to get a break it's most certainly we we like everybody yearn for business as usual and I've I yesterday opened a PowerPoint from, you know, eight months ago, and it was all about business as usual, and it just looked so attractive. Uh-huh. Um, I think we're going to love business as usual when it does return. But the one thing i, I say as well is what we have done, and so the last year, but we've managed to finish this now during this closure, closure period, is we have a plan called the Share Our Care Plan, and it's all about sharing our animal care our horticultural care, the amazing property we have, the wildlife on the property, really starting to share that more with visitors because we know visitors, you know, you can chop a banana for breakfast at home and that's all you're doing. But you chop a banana to feed to a gorilla and suddenly it's amazing. And we do, not about chopping bananas, but it's just a silly example, but we do amazing stuff on the property every day in terms of wildlife care and, and, you know, the wildlife we have around us. And we tend to take, Personally, I tend to take a lot of that for granted, and so this plan is now all about how we share that care and compassion with our visitors. So, I can't wait to open again and really get this going.
1: Uh, what are the plans for the future? I know there are some uh, some big uh, plans that were have, have they been put on hold? What, what where does that sort of sit?
0: Well, interestingly, not. And I'll just quickly whip through the plans if I could. We've, yeah. we've got let, let's call it a ninety million dollar plan. It's eighty six. But it'll probably land on ninety by the end of the day. Yeah. Um, government have given us two point six million for planning. We're just coming to the end of that two point six. I just spent two hours online this morning running through the design schematic design for all of that, and one portion of that is in detail design. It's looking amazing. It's going to take us from a visitor capacity of about 700,000 visitors to, let's say, 1.5 million in the future. Wow. And the plans include, we've got 250 hectares. We only use half of that at the moment. And so the plans will take us from two key visit experiences, which is a walking trail and the bus safari, to six. So we'll be adding uh, a sky safari from one end of the zoo to the other, and that's a gondola that will take you right across... All of the animal exhibits, um, um, it's, it'll be about a 30-minute ride. You'll be able to see the yu-yangs in the dis- distance, Port Phillip Bay, Melbourne City, and then, of course, all the animals. You'll be able to do it at sunrise and sunset. Um, so an amazing opportunity. We've got a whole new predators, um, African predators area in development, which includes some really important breeding programs for cheetah and African wild dogs. And enough space to breed those species because they both require not one or two exhibits but multiple exhibits. And just out of interest, cheetah boys, for example, if you allow the boys to see the girls, they won't breed. But if you hide them from each other and occasionally introduce the boy, the girls become very interested, and you know you'll get some breeding results from Is that
1: that right? So, wow.
0: You know, it's all those intricacies and having enough space to do all of that. So a whole new, what we call in the waterhole, uh, an area which involves predator, prey, wild dogs, cheetah. And then the big thing that everybody's very excited about is the whole elephant herd from Melbourne Zoo, which is a breeding herd and will continue to breed into the future. I'm moving from, you know, one and a half, two hectares at Melbourne Zoo to 22 hectares here.
1: Wow. And
0: having a whole elephant sanctuary um, and then associated with that, all the visitor facilities. So a whole new cafe, um, various, you know, visitor needs, uh, catered for throughout that area as well. So some massive expansion areas will have a 5,000 seat event lawn to be able to hold big events, which are important for two reasons. One, to generate funds, as I say, for the wildlife work that we do. But secondly, it can give us a whole new audience that we might not reach otherwise with conservation messages. So, um, Pretty exciting to have that and also with that from a welfare point of view, the ability to move the animals away on those evenings we have an event and then move them back the next morning. So pretty pretty unique and, and really I would say world leading uh, from that point of view and, and the elephants as well. We've had the world's best elephant experts comment and they're very excited as to where we're going with the 22 hectare elephant sanctuary. So all of that, uh, and that's a, you know it's a 300 page document, but it's a two minute synopsis. Yes.
1: Um,
0: we're saying it's about 90 million. Government has given us 2.6. Um, there are some economic boost packages. It's going to be massive for the West, and where we are, I believe, the number one tourism facility. We're now going to have the um, on-off ramp to Geelong sorted out as well, for so easy access to the zoo from all directions. Good. And I think you know it's it's going to offer a lot for the West in terms of employment uh and reputation tourism the whole lot, yeah, so we are certainly keeping that alive um Government have been asking us some interesting questions as to how ready we are and we We do have the first part of that package uh, shovel ready for so the minute we got the first bit of funding, which is about seven million in year one, we can get started, and I would say it's most certainly not dead it's it's in discussion and you know, it's 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 so difficult. I would only imagine for the treasurer to be looking at something like that, which is really attractive, but when is so short. But we aren't. You know, we're still hopeful that there's a chance it'll happen, and if not in the next year and the next two. So for us, it's it's not if it happens; it's just a matter of when.
1: Yeah, is there, I was going to say, what what's the time frame on uh, on sort of making this a start on this?
0: Well, we we as I say, the schematics for the whole lot are at eighty percent. The detailed design and all of the water, electricity, etc., all those services are ready, and that's about a three million dollar package right up front, and that right. we could start tomorrow. And is this so, is um, this
1: state government funding or federal government or both, or you don't care where the money comes from? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, we don't really care, I must say, um, but it would, it would largely state funding. But you know, with Sky Safari, etc., and also with the growth in the the business and the admissions numbers heading towards a million we also most certainly would look at borrowing. And so as a government department, you know, is it possible to borrow what is possible? Yeah. Um, but to put a case together, and Ernst and & Young, I've done significant work on this for, in terms of our case to actually borrow, and it, it looks pretty secure, quite attractive. So, you know, number one would be asking the state to kick us off um, and then looking at the size of the state contribution versus potentially some borrowing, but that's not definite yet.
1: Yeah. Uh, Glenn, the, the, the visionary uh, sort of nature of, of what you've just described to us, uh, quite, quite exceptional. Where did, where did that come from? Because uh, you, you mentioned, I, I don't know that it's anywhere else in the world, but I'm not an expert in the field. Uh, where did that come from? It's hard to put
0: your finger on it, to be honest. We had a little plan to do what they called America's Journey about three years ago. And uh, it wasn't the two, you know, we're very much an open range zoo. And it's part of what people love about yeah. my experience is that it is all quite naturalistic and open. And um, it didn't fit that bill. So we started addressing that and, and just going back to our roots, which is really being the best open range zoo we can be. And uh, we did bring in some American consultants who were around the world doing planning. Um, but I will say a lot of the concept came from our own thinking and our, our team. Uh, we workshopped this, even with all of the zookeepers, everybody was involved Um, over a, a sort of, it wasn't even that long, actually, about a three-month period, and then landed on the concept that we've now developed into the design
1: well, it's, it's obviously one that would, uh, I imagine, uh, once once you get this up and running, would be shared around the world because it's, uh, it would be, it would be easy to turn something like the 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 Wirribee Open Range Zoo into a Disneyland type thing. But it seems to me like the aesthetics of what you're talking about keeps it into that open range zoo and just just works off that beautifully.
0: Yeah, and and you know uh, you know conservation is so core cool to our hearts, and uh, you know people, yeah. some people still think about the old style zoo of animals in cages. I mean. We really are a, a conservation agency, and we've got conservation programs all over for native species and in Africa and all over the place. But one, of the, if I can just give you a little bit of detail, if you've got time, yeah. um, is just you know if we dive into one little area next to the waterhole, which is the cheetah, wild dog predators area. We're building an African village which will showcase how African people actually use little guard dogs, and these aren't big fancy guard dogs like Moremas. These are basically mongrels that have been trained and bred um, to ward off lions, cheetah, hyenas, baboons. And they're surrounded by these predators that just want to eat their livestock. And so really creating an authentic African village to show how African, and of course Africa, African uh, cultures at the core of our brand as well. And I think today, you know, I'm of African descent. And I, when I arrived, I just couldn't believe how authentic it is. So really showcasing some of the detail of the the conservation work that happens not only in Australia with bandicoots or whatever the species may be, but showing internationally some of the conservation programs we support. And there's another project in Uganda, Rhino Fund Uganda, and we support that heavily. In fact, I'd say we subsidize them to the point of if we weren't, you know, they probably wouldn't be able to, to keep working. Um, and they're you know, they breeding rhino in Uganda. It's the only place in Uganda there's rhino left, and they've got them secure. We've supported all the guards, that sort of thing. Yep. So really getting into the detail of those sorts of programs and being able to showcase them. And just as a last element, part of Rhino Fund Uganda is a, a school for the local people that we support, and we actually involve an exact replica of the school to the T, with the same little funny wooden desks that we, you know, 40 years ago used to have at school, that sort of thing. Yeah. And they still have all that in Africa. So we do forty to 50,000 school kids a year and our kids can actually go in and experience a African village school and that sort of thing. So... The the detail in this design is quite quite incredible, and there's a lot of sustainability involved in all of it as well, which is
1: exciting. You mentioned the government money. Is is there a lot of private money that comes into this in terms of people, you know, uh, making charitable gestures uh, to to the zoo? We we do have,
0: you know, we've got a philanthropic team who most certainly, particularly for our conservation work, and we're spending over ten million a year at the moment on these conservation species. Um, we have a philanthropic team who work hard to to try and get as much support as we can for those. We also see a lot of wildlife, thousands and thousands of cases of wildlife that come into our three zoos every year. And we help carers who are looking after the wildlife. So from a veterinary point of view, that's massive. And we we do try and get as much support as we can for that. Occasionally, we get a wonderful donation as we went into COVID and lockdown. Um, an anonymous person gave us um, or didn't want to be recognized a million dollars towards our animal care and veterinary care. Oh. And um, that's you know, it, it happens occasionally and it's absolutely wonderful when that does because it makes such a difference. And then from a bushfire point of view, we had, as I say, quite a few million come in to support the work that we did and that led to us now potentially building this wildlife hospital at the zoo as well.
1: Be nice to see that money coming when it's not in a time of crisis, though, wouldn't it? In in, in many ways, but that's, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> You're, um... But we've had,
0: you know, I will say, from a bushfire point of view, we had donations, and I'm talking serious, you know, quite significant donations yeah. from all over the world, um, Eastern European countries, etc. That um, just pre-COVID, you know, they all put their hand in their wallet and said to their members. Help us support wildlife in in Australia, and so we got some significant donations from all over the world.
1: Have you got a, a time frame of when the zoo might resume to some sort of normality? I mean, what uh, what in terms of uh, lockdown restrictions do you have to get to before we'll be able to double to, to visit the zoo again?
0: It's an it's an interesting question. I'll be honest; it's not one at the moment because we've just been so focused on on lockdown again, yeah. and we've just this is probably the first week where we aren't actually just running through the whole lockdown process again because yeah. we are in lockdown now. Now it's more what do we do when we have a positive case among staff, and that you know that's um, in any business now is a really likely scenario yes. and I think I think within two to three weeks we'll start to discuss once the curve abates and and numbers start to drop. I guess then we'll pick up the discussion again with the health department around what that might look like. I would love to think that by late september October, we potentially open. Again, with limited numbers, we were lying one and a half thousand people a day, and that limitation for us is not actually about space, it's about the safari bus. And so with safe distancing, you know we can only fit so many people on the bus per yeah. day and that's one and a half thousand. so, um, we were allowing that, and I'd love to think we will be doing that again.
1: There'll be a real uh, re-education of all those things that we've just taken for granted when we go to places like like the open range zoo, uh, and I guess not only for us as uh, as people coming along, but also for your volunteers and your workforce as well.
0: Absolutely, and I, you know, I, having grown up overseas, and I grew up in a bit of a war zone and that sort of thing. I think for many young young Australians who haven't had a lot of significant challenges from a general way of life point of view, I think a lot of people are going to be appreciating just how wonderful and I've just got my citizenship and I'm just so glad to be in Australia. It's a really good country and I think I'd, I'd love to think people are more appreciative of just how good it
1: is, you know. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. And I think with the gems and, and, and the Werribee the Open Range Zoo is a gem. It's a jewel in, uh, in, uh, in, our, in our city and, uh, and one that I think we need to really appreciate uh, as much as we possibly can. And sometimes we do take some of these things for granted. As you drive past on K Road, oh, yeah, there's the zoo, yeah, big deal. Um, I th- think we need to nurture these things a bit more. I love it
0: when somebody comes into the zoo and they haven't
1: been they were a kid 20 years ago and they, they're just blown away
0: yeah. um, by the experience, you know. But as I say, we our members are big for us and during the, the one and a half thousand limited numbers, we were getting 75% members coming back in. And um, some of the member mothers, when we have business as usual, I, I know we had one member mother come in 200 times in one year. Um, she's here basically almost every morning wow. for a coffee and let, let her kids run Run, get tired, and they home by half past ten, having a nap. You know, <laughs> so um, it's lovely for members as well. And we have a, a big membership base around us, Point Cook, Wyndham, etc.
1: Yeah, and membership's obviously available uh, any day of the week on the uh, on the uh, on- online. So you can you can still yeah, do all that stuff.
0: Absolutely, and and uh, I'm not trying to do a sales pitch, but the nice thing with membership now is because it's online, you can actually pay a monthly fee, which I think now is about ten dollars a month. Yeah. Um, And kids are free on a membership, so it's only the adults actually pay. But at $10 a month, um, it, our, our money man, the CFO, doesn't like it because he'd like all the cash up front. <laughs> but from a membership point of view, we love it, you know, and, and uh, members are so important to us.
1: Hey, Glenn, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Exciting times ahead for the zoo. Obviously, we've got some, some challenging times ahead as well, but uh, exciting times in the future. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for sharing uh, what's going on at the Werribee Open Range Zoo with us here on the Talking Wyndham podcast.
0: Pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, thanks to Glenn Holland for his time. Busy man. Lots going on, uh, even uh, with lockdown uh, at the zoo, as you heard there, and a lot to look forward to in the future, which very, very excited about, always excited about the Werribee Open Range Zoo. It really is one of the absolute gems there as you drive down K Road uh, and something that we should certainly hang our hat on and uh, something we should certainly promote a heck of a lot as a destination point for people to come and uh, maybe is the first place, they their first port of call, but certainly uh, not their last of uh, the many attractions available in the in the City of Wyndham. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, more on the way. And, of course, go back and ch- uh, check out our uh, previous episodes, which are available as well on the Omni platform. Uh, from me, Kevin Hillier, till the next time, take care. Look after yourself. Thanks for listening.
0: Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page.